0: Welcome to Make and Decorate, a podcast for makers who love to sew, quilt, and decorate. Hey everyone, how are you? Happy, happy Valentine's Day, if that's your thing, or just happy Thursday. So, can you believe it is middle of February already, and oh, so I was a little wrong about the weather. <laughs> we have not gotten through the worst of it, but at this point, it's like ice storm Pfft, sure, oh, another ice storm the very next day and night. Fine, it's just like we're so used to it by now. We're just like, what's next?" <laughs> That that polar vortex just really kind of like, you know, worked us over. And now we're just kind of like winter zombies. We're just like, whatever. But spring, I know it. I know spring is around the corner because my calendar tells me in March, (laughs) it's officially the first day of spring. So anyway, I'm banking on that. Plus, it's my birthday in March. So my birthday is technically in spring. Ah, yes. Spring. Spring flowers. Let's just envision that. Meditate on that. So uh, what's going on here? Oh, my goodness. Everyone is gearing up for Quilcon. Oh, I'm so jealous. But um, I'm really excited. I mean, it's just really cool just to hear um, everyone getting ready, getting excited, making their plans and me realizing that I really should have tried to plan and try to make this. (laughs) I should have made this happen, but um, it just didn't work out. So um, I am going to miss it this year. But oh, my goodness, I really have to like get my plans together and try to make it next year Um, or. I don't know. They, they still need to announce like the next location, so I want to see where they're going after Austin, uh, because they do kind of need to come up to the Midwest, don't you think? Hello, Chicago, my kind of town. So how have you guys been doing? Uh, I know there's a lot of quilt-alongs and uh, sew-alongs and things like that going on that people are involved in, and... um I uh, my my one king size quilt is off to the long armors. So that's great. And um, then I uh, finished a quilt top for a baby quilt. I posted pictures on Instagram and I am quilting that on my um, Bernina domestic sewing machine. And I have not uh, free motion quilted in probably close to two years. So I did a practice square um, over the weekend and woo, was a little rough, <laughs> little rusty, but um, it does come back. I mean, by the end, I was starting to be get a little bit of a hang of it better. And I was like, whew, because at first I was just like, oh, no, I've forgotten how to do it all. <laughs> um, and that'll happen. But uh, also, I've never quilted on my new machine before either. So, um, you know, that was new. And I really got a chance to um, utilize this uh, stitch regulator. And there's two settings on it. There's a number one and a number two. And I definitely like number two better. The number one, uh, you use your foot pedal and... um, I don't know. It's a little bit works a little differently, but the foot pedal is the main difference. The number two is you press a button to engage it. And then once you start moving the fabric, it starts stitching. And it is so nice because you don't have to worry about keeping the foot pedal, um, you know, at an even tempo with how you're moving the quilt. Uh, So on the second setting, you just move your quilt around. But if you do start moving your quilt too fast, it'll beep at you. You can turn the sound off, but I have it on. And it's kind of like a little, ah, 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 little beeps. <laughs> and at first I was like, what is that? I know I know it doesn't mean anything good. <laughs> I know I'm doing something wrong. So I went and looked up uh, some videos and then I realized that's what that meant. But it was fun. It, it's, you know, even though it was, I was rusty and, you know, my swirls have little, they're not perfectly round, but um, I am enjoying it. So... We'll see. Um, we'll see how it turns out, um, this baby quilt. And then I'm also starting a, another baby quilt. And I realized I had a, a charm pack with the 5-inch squares, and there's 42 of them of Allison Glass's um, Road Trip. So cute. I love that fabric line. Oh, it is so pretty. All of those colors are like all colors that I love. And um, so I'm just going to do a simple... Um, patchwork quilt with all of the five inch blocks, but I need a little bit more. So I had to kind of stop on that. I laid them all out. I laid them in the order that I wanted and it's just got to be a little wider and a little longer. So I ordered another um, five inch square pack um, of that. So I'm waiting for that to come in and then I'll be able to finish that. And then I'll be able to quilt two baby quilts at once, I think, or, you know, one one and then the other. So that's what's on my um, work table this week. I have made some changes or updates to my website. So when you go to the podcast page where I have the show notes, On the right-hand side, there is um, a little section that helps support the podcast. So I've got my uh, donation button that you can click on if you'd like to make a one-time donation to help support the podcast with software equipment and um, all the subscription that it takes to actually host the podcast up to all the players. And then I also added an affiliate link. Um, It's actually a button and it's for Amazon. So, in my podcast show notes, if I have anything that you can get from Amazon, I do put affiliate links to those products. And if you click on those, and if you happen to, you know, make the purchase, then, you know, I get a little something um, commission from it. So that really will help. So if you cannot make a one time donation, then you can use the Amazon links. And I've got one just on the sidebar of that page where it will just take you to Amazon. And you can shop there through that link. And that will help me too. So um, I really truly appreciate any um, help that you guys can do to support the podcast. I love doing it. And I love bringing you, um, you know, these these bi-weekly shows. So I just want to let you know that that's there and up and running. Um, So yeah. Um, And then I think we should just get into what this week's uh, podcast is about. I have Uh, Frances O'Rourke Dowell on we have a wonderful conversation. And uh, Frances is she has her own podcast called Off Kilter Quilt. And um, she's just a multi talented person and very busy. Uh, So I was very, very happy to get the chance to talk to her. Um, Frances is also um, a writer. um, And she has written many books. Um, I think she specializes in young adults and children's novels and books, and she has won literary awards for a few of those books. Uh, the Edgar Award is one of them, and that that's really amazing. And she has also written Quilt Fiction, and uh, she's got some... Um, Uh, I think the first quilt book that she had written was called Birds in the Air, and uh, you can get that, and there is a follow-up to Birds in the Air that is going to release this year, later in the year, so I'll put a link into that, and it's called Stars Upon Stars, so be on the lookout for that, and um, she also has another podcast that is Quilt Fiction, It's called Friendship Album 1933, and each episode has a chapter or up to a few chapters. She wrote wrote a novel and um, read it by the author, which is herself, and on this podcast. It's wonderful. I love it. I love it so much. And in addition to all of that, Frances finds the time to quilt. She makes wonderful quilts. She's into modern quilting, improv quilting. And um, yeah, so she does a lot of quilting. And that's what her main podcast off quilt kilter quilt is about. So um, yeah, let's get into this and and uh, talk with Francis. Hi, Francis, welcome to my podcast. I am so thrilled that you're
1: here on my show. I am really happy to be here, and it's nice to meet you, not in person, but um, more in person than we've met before. So thank you so much for having me.
0: Oh, I am so thrilled. I'm so excited. And I can never forget your first name, Francis, because that's my middle name.
1: <laughs> oh, Stephanie Francis! Yes. My goodness.
0: <laughs> yes. And I, I really, as a kid, did not like that middle name because I got teased by the other kids. Um, cause I guess it was a, a boy's name, but my, our names are spelled the feminine way.
1: Right. Right. I never liked yeah. my name either. And it's funny because my mother is Francis Jane and she goes by Jane because uh. she did not actually like the name Francis, but <laughs> we have a family tradition of using family names. And right. so when I was growing up. I actually had a nickname, and it was Missy and but I'm not a Melissa at all huh. so I just at some point I think when I was in my mid 20s and I was working in restaurants and I just could not you know I would fill out my social security forms and or you know all the forms and I just couldn't bring myself to say yes my name is Francis but call me Missy I just gave up Missy at that point <laughs> I'm like all right cuz I'm not sure Missy does menopause and at that time i was very very far away from those years but at some point i need to switch and so i did and now i actually really like the name francis
0: i like it too and i learned to like it earlier because of princess diana francis spencer then i was like oh it's a princess name That's true. That's a good way to think about it. Yeah, I, it does look so pretty written out too, in cursive. So it does. Okay. Anyway, okay. Good. I'm glad we like our names now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna start off with your podcast because that is how I discovered you. Um, like, I don't know. I started listening to you maybe three or four years ago, and um, your podcast is off kilter quilt. Mm-hmm. I think you even took like a little
1: break at some
0: point. Did you, or is, am I thinking of a different podcast?
1: Yeah, I never took an official break. A few years ago, maybe four or five years ago now, my mom got really sick. She had cancer, which she recovered from. But it just I went for a, several months with really not podcasting. Uh-huh. And I have to say in the last year or so, I'm not podcasting as regularly as I would like. I would like to do, put out an episode every two weeks because I think people like that when you mm-hmm. show you will um and it's more like every three weeks but you know i'm doing another podcast as well um, the quilt fiction yes. so that's really <laughs> lots and lots of fun but that's kind of cut into my off culture quilt time but we are almost at where this uh may will be nine years of doing it wow really non-stop except for that little bit of a break
0: wow yep. that's amazing I love it and um your your diary journal style is is so cool too and i think that it's because because i've i've heard other journal style podcasts and yours i think because you're a writer and you're just so flowy and everything is connected and it's like a story every time i listen to your podcast so i love that about your podcast and <laughs> I love when you record in the summer and you have all your night sounds going on I hear crickets yeah. and then sometimes I hear birds and so yeah. it's pretty cool it's because you're
1: in North Carolina right? North Carolina and I have yeah. a really screen porch so especially when yeah if I record in the morning or the evening mm-hmm. there and the, at night there are the great bug noises I love yeah. those. In the morning there are lots of birds so it is really yeah. nice yeah. Um, to be able to sit on the porch and record and And get all the wildlife. Because they're not overwhelming. They're just kind of
0: quietly in the background. And the first time I heard the birds, I was like, wait, what? (laughs) I thought it was around me. And and it wasn't. I couldn't find a bird. It was on your podcast. (laughs) But I love it. And you are at 232 episodes. That is so cool. Mm -hmm. So um, anyway, you've been a very good inspiration. And I have to tell you that um, it was probably, I don't know when you said this, but it was in a, you know, previous years that you welcomed new people into the podcasting world and Mm -hmm. that, you know, not so much needed to be commercial and professionally produced. And, you know, I had been thinking of starting this podcast for four years before I launched it. And, you know, like I got my microphone and all this stuff in 2014 and I didn't launch it until 2018. (laughs) (laughs) because Just because of, you know... The confidence level and who's going to want to hear me and what if I'm not professional sounding enough and all of that. But listening to you and there's another podcaster, Stephanie Kendron, and she helped Mm. me. And, you know, so I just finally decided I I made it my Uh, first of the year goal last year of like you're going to do this or you're not going to do it and I did it and then I was like what was I so afraid of (laughs) I love it I really really do but I I attribute some of that inspiration to you and I appreciate you for saying that on your podcast because I think you really are inspiration to others
1: I'm glad because I I love podcasts and I especially I mean I think you sound very professional and you do a great job Um, but it's not a commercial podcast. It's, it's still in its way homemade radio, which Mm is what I love about. I mean, I love the whole, there's just a spectrum now, Mm -hmm. right? There's stuff that's almost like it's, it's produced and sponsored and has commercial breaks and it's often really, really well done. And then there's what we do, which I, you know, is more like talking with friends and just pursuing our own interests. And I, I don't, I've never pursued sponsorship for the off culture quilt because I just don't want to have to <laughs> <laughs> you know then feel because you you've been very kind in describing my style but the fact is I get rambly and I forget <sighs> words and I go off on tangents and uh, I used to be very good about editing out ums not just now I I I sometimes do if it's uh, cuz some days I am just rambly you know but for the most part i i like not having the pressure of having to be too professional mm-hmm. i try not to be boring that that's my threshold
0: no <laughs> i don't think so and you've got a travis the quilt dog and i've got my yeah. cooper who's sitting right there <laughs> oh, you, can't, you can't really see him though he's i don't know like you know like whenever you get on the phone your pets kind of know that your attention is elsewhere he's like that too and like on the yeah. microphone and i got my headphones on he's like what are you doing <laughs> I need you to back <laughs> on me, please. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, exactly. So, um, okay. So that's about your podcast. And, oh, you mentioned your other podcast, which you launched, I think it was last year, with Quilt Fiction. Mm-hmm. And this is pretty cool. Um, and I don't even know how you do this because you were writing – like, as you were recording this,
1: this novel, this quilt fiction book. It's just, it's just a really <laughs> silly idea. <laughs> I have to go. <laughs> follow through with I'm almost done I'm still writing the book uh-huh. and it's amazing because you, so as my, my, my career is a, a I'm a children's book author and I, I've been publishing for 20 years and I've been very fortunate I make a living doing that but a few years ago I started writing quote fiction and have published a novel called Birds in the Air and then a collection of short stories and uh, I think this summer I think June 1st is the pub date for the follow-up to Birds in the Air called Stars Upon Stars but I've also for a long time been working on this 1930s novel and um I decided I knew the what the best idea in the world is to start podcasting it, reading it out loud while I was in the process of writing it. And in some ways it has been the best idea in the world. And in other ways I wake up in the middle of the night going, oh my goodness, what have I done? What have I done? But I'm almost <laughs> done. I have the way I have it planned out is I have five chapters left because there are five characters and it's almost like a round robin you mm-hmm. you visit a new uh, a, a different character each chapter but i am almost at 500 pages and as someone whose career has been writing manuscripts that are around 150 pages this is just it's crazy and it's mm-hmm. but it's really cool mm-hmm. i feel it's, you know what however it, the it I feel like I've accomplished something just with that, with that length and with finishing. And I am really close to the finish line and have um, and people listen to it. So it's really, really.
0: Yeah, I do. I'm 13 chapters behind, but or episodes, not chapters, (laughs) episodes, but um, I love to save it to listen to my, one of my sisters lives about an hour and a half from me. And lots of times I go there and I'm driving back late at night. So I'm driving and I'm hearing the story and it just makes the drive go so much faster. And I don't know. I just like it. So, um, and I love the story. I love, I love, you know, um, it it reminds me a little bit of little women. That was one of my childhood favorite books and just, Mm -hmm. yeah, like sisterhood and (laughs) and women that. that may not normally get along, get put together And they're accomplishing a common goal and yeah, I love it. I really like it a lot. And then in Christmas time, you released a a Christmas um, sort of a short novel that's related to that. It's almost, it's a a prequel because it's it's a a year earlier,
1: 1932. Right. With the same characters though. The same characters, which was really fun. Although I had Mm -hmm. to, you know, particularly when you're doing something over a long period of time, you can forget things, um, And I had almost, I, in the prequel story, the Christmas story, I almost had one character get a dog. And then I remembered just by luck, I was like, oh no, her husband is allergic to dogs, which we'll find out in 1933. So it's like, oh, and so to make all the facts Mm -hmm. fit and, and also, you know, and yeah, writing a prequel is interesting because you have to anticipate you can't give away too much and you can't let your characters know what they are, what they don't know yet. (laughs) So
0: that's crazy.
1: And I love doing it. And I've always wanted to write a Christmas story. So that was really Oh, it's
0: so cool. Yeah. I've I've not finished it yet. I started reading it on Kindle. And then like, uh, the after I, a week or two after I started reading it, you sent a, an email out of, like, it's going to be available audio. And I was like, what? <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, a lot of people, that's the interesting thing. And I hear from a lot of people about Friendship Album 1933, which is the novel I'm reading, mm-hmm. is that, you know, they don't read as much or they, they get a lot of their storytelling through audio now, through Audible books, you know, through through. Yeah, audio books mm-hmm. and uh, podcasts. And, and and there were people who were so happy that we did the story on audio because, you know, they were never going to get around to reading the print version, but they could listen to the audio version in the car, you know, going to work or what have you. So that's, mm-hmm. um, audio is huge,
0: mm-hmm. you know, and,
1: and on every level. But, but a lot of people, that's how they get their storytelling now.
0: It's true. Yeah. I mean, I try to kind of do it half and half, but um, it's it's tough when you just, you know, you want to sew too. So, well, then you can the, have it on at the same time. Yes,
1: but. and I feel I I mean, I I watch a lot of Netflix while I'm sewing and which means I can watch the same show or five different times and and the fifth time when I actually sit down to watch this like, mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? That, that that's a whole different show because I've never actually watched it. I've right. only listened to something that's actually supposed to have a visual component. So mm-hmm. it's kind of see when you actually sit down and go, "Oh, that's what that character looks like." <laughs> or, the same that, thing. That, so. <laughs> yeah, but it's funny. But it also gives a, a show a longer life for you because you know half the time you miss half of the dialogue because your machine your machine is going so. Mm-hmm. That, But I've watched (laughs) Downton Abbey now about 500 times. I catch a new thing that I missed before. Right,
0: right. Cool. So let's talk about your love of quilting and Uh um, go back to where it all began for you. Just like like where you're from and how you got started and whatever your creative tendencies were leading you up to your interest in quilting.
1: Well, you know, so I started making quilts in 2007, and I've always loved quilts, um, but I was always kind of scared of quilts because I would get books out of the library about how to make them, and there were fractions, um, like um, seven-eighths. For some reason to me, at one point in my life, that was the most terrifying fraction in the world. I couldn't figure it out, and then one day I realized that it was actually just basically one. <laughs> You're a one, um, but for a long, I would look and at the books, and I would see the instructions, and I was just overwhelmed by them. Um, and it wasn't until. Um, A couple different things happened. And one was that I discovered Gwen Marston's liberated quilting. And she said, don't worry about the fractions, just cut stuff up and, you know, mess around with it and play. And that was it was, in fact, really liberating. Mm -hmm. Um, Before I made quilts, I I knit. I've always loved doing crafts. I've always loved doing things with my hands, in particular, I think, because I'm such a word person. It's such a nice break to be nonverbal, and to make things. And when I was a kid, I loved to draw, and I drew all the time, and I cartooned, and I was very into music, so I was always, and I wrote, and I was very creative, but um, it really took a long time to be brave enough to try quilting, and that was largely because someone said you can, you don't have to follow all the rules. And it, later, after I had made a couple quilts, I actually took a class at a quilt shop here, oops, sorry, in um, Chapel Hill, I live in Durham, North Carolina, and um, I actually learned how to do things right, you know, <laughs> but I needed, and that's how I learned anyway. I, I learned by kind of messing around and messing up and then getting comfortable enough with the process that someone can come in at that point and say, okay, here's what you're doing right, and here, here's what you're doing wrong, but I'd always loved quilts as things um, and, and every time I would see a quilt like you know, in somebody's house or in an antique shop or wherever I was like I want to do that I, I very much uh, love quilts as beautiful useful objects and so it was uh, been. It's, it still feels a little bit amazing to me when I look around my house I'm like oh look at these quilts and I made them and they're fabulous or you know if you squint they're really fabulous <laughs> but it's, it just seems uh, just a, a wonderful amazing thing to me um, that I, that I do this and that somehow with, with the help of a lot of other people and YouTube videos, I, I, you know, I can do it. And it's, Mm -hmm. you know, and there's so many, um, no pun intended, but there's so many layers to it. It's the making and the creating, but it's also the community and the history, all of that uh, makes it a really rich experience for me.
0: Oh, that's great. Yeah. I, I, Similarly for me, too, I didn't start quilting until, um, like, my mid to late 30s, and um, I had always wanted to. I had sewn on and off, you know, home deck and clothing, but Mm -hmm. I don't know why, when you look at a finished quilt, it is sometimes just so stunning, and you can't really, when you haven't learned to quilt yet, you can't figure out how did they get all of those pieces like that.
1: (laughs) It's too hard. It's so hard. (laughs) It doesn't. If you don't understand the 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 nine, you know, it's not a nine point grid. But you know, the grid system, and suddenly, and know how to look at a block and break it down. It does. It just seems like wow, that Magic. is so complicated yeah. and confusing. Um, we have a couple quilts on the wall, and that's one of my husband's favorite things is to kind of try to figure out how I did that with the more traditional blocks. I'm just, I'm like, it's just triangles. It's just. Triangles.
0: <laughs> it's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> And then, so do you like to do piecing or what type of quilting do you, foundation paper piecing or
1: applique? I kind of like it all. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because this book, Friendship Album 1933, is based in the, is set obviously in 1933. I'm doing a lot of traditional quilts right now to kind of correspond with the book. And uh, and I, I I do enjoy it, and then I'm very happy to go all the way the other way into to improv piecing. Uh, I am, a, you know, I, I love all quilts. I'm on, in and am omnivorous as a quilt maker. Probably my favorite mode of quilt making is modern, and, but oh. so and I do modern applique, and I love paper piecing. I've done some English paper piecing and would like to do more. Um, but you know, I, but I do love. A 1930s traditional quilt, and now I'm doing. It's a called the hand pieced quilt along um, that a couple of friends of mine are running, Kristen Esser and Patty Dudek, and uh, so I'm actually hand piecing a sampler quilt, wow, which is wow. very relaxing. Yeah. So, but I really do. I I, I I like jumping around to different projects. I'm fairly good about finishing projects, um, and it's uh, and I enjoy having. Um, from time to time having a pattern mostly i don't mostly i just do my own patterns or make stuff up as i go along which is kind of how i am as a writer too Mm -hmm. it's like what will this be i don't know let's see let's throw something on the the design wall and go um so so uh then to follow that with someone saying here's what here's what you cut out cut these pieces out and then sew them together and that itself is a you know is a a kind of a a relief to be instructed so I, i like both though
0: yeah, I I think I agree. I do too, and I I do like to kind of delve into. At one point, um, at the beginning of my quilting, I I, I tried pa- foundation paper piecing, and then I was like, oh, I hate this, never again. And then I tried it again when I saw um, that what's her name? It's New Zealand uh, foundation paper piecing. She does these. She just last year released an animal book and these gorgeous, beautiful polar bear and peacock oh. yeah. Uh,
1: yeah. paper
0: pieced. Yeah, and I tried to. I've started. I'm half like I'm not halfway, I'm a third of the way through this butterfly, uh-huh. and it's weird because I think if you like the composition, mm-hmm. um, and and just kind of open yourself up to trying a new technique, then it's not as bad as what you think it is. At least
1: for me, <laughs> oh, you're like I really want to make that quilt, mm-hmm. and I'm mm-hmm. going to figure out. How to Sometimes yeah. that's what it takes. Yeah, um, yeah, and paper piecing is interesting for me. You know, I'm left-handed. And weirdly, I'm not visual. Uh, sounds weird to say I'm not visually smart in some ways. I think there's some people who, um, make sense of the world visually where I tend to do it verbally and with paper piecing, the hard thing for me, and it makes my brain twist up is where you're basically, you're having to flip stuff, mm-hmm. flip and go backward. You know, it's, it's, a, it's it starts a very, off
0: really backwards, especially the first couple yeah. of pieces. And then once oh, you get started, it's, yeah. It's, <laughs>
1: yeah, um, I have found that I really enjoy the challenge of it because it doesn't come naturally to me. I don't automatically go, yes, I understand how this works. And so I mess up a lot, but sometimes when you mess up, you you make really interesting discoveries. That's what I do myself.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And then do you, um, do you machine quilt your quilts
1: or long arm? I do not remember what you, how you quilt them. I machine quilt them. Um, Not well. (laughs) I'm getting better, um, but I just uh, I, I drive myself crazy. I can be kind of um, absent-minded um, and not, and and sometimes uh, I tend to daydream a lot, which means I make mistakes. <laughs> Two things that I feel like after quilting for um, you know 12 years now, they're mistakes I shouldn't be making. But I'm getting better with my machine quilting. I really like uh, Jackie Garing's uh, walking. Uh, walking foot books and her class and she's been really helpful and crystal watson has been very helpful in terms of learning how to to machine quilt but i do machine quilt all of my quilts and i, I will say i tend to stick to the simpler line I, the simpler styles and at, back in the day i was much more interested in sort of the free motion and now i really love the straight line and oh, i think oh. yeah I, I yeah but i would love to I would love to get like a mid arm or a long arm because when I watch people do that, when you go to shows and you're, it just looks like an inc- like an incredible amount of fun.
0: It does. It's cool. And at some of those, a couple of those shows that come around here, they let you try it, and it's a lot yeah. of fun. It's I'm just driving. Well, <laughs> plus they they're pr- pretty clever. I, th- it's the mid arm is what I tried from HQ, and they had black mm-hmm. fabric and like that real thick forty weight variegated colorful thread yeah. anything you quilted on there looked fabulous it's I,
1: just like i must have that machine uh, yeah. i know i know <laughs> i think that would be i it just looks fun to me i would never want to do it professionally right i admire people who like who do it professionally and but i again that would be a kind of pressure when yeah. when you start asking people for money it becomes a different game but i but i would like i would love to do it for myself
0: Oh cool. That's really cool. And what sizes of quilts do you normally make? Are they more like lap sizes or do you do the big bed size? Well I oh
1: my goodness, Stephanie, I did three, four I quilt to go with the friendship album 1933 I made a, a pink and white crown of thorns quilt it's a really pretty pattern it's a pretty oh, I saw a
0: picture quilt. of that
1: yeah yeah and but it ended up being huge because again I just kind of do things on the fly and my math skills are minimal and so you know so I'm like oh this will be about 70 by you know 90 and this just like it's a mile long and a mile wide and I, I quilted it on my Bernina and I have to tell you I, I'm not ent- I, I ran into some problems um, just uh, through my own inexperience of of working with a quilt that size. So it was actually kind of disappointing in the end because it didn't look as good as I wanted it to. That for me that that's a huge quilt. I do. I mean, so it turned out to be like a king size quilt. Mm-hmm. Typically, I do you know lap size and twin size quilts, but at some point you feel like okay, I've got enough of these. You know, I need and and try to do more bedside quilts but I, that is one thing as a machine quilter it, that's so hard um but I do like making quilts just to try things and make things and so that at that point you know with that a, a lap size or a twin size quilt is, is just the perfect size to do that
0: yeah I've, I haven't really machine quilted anything larger than a let's say a lap size so far I've made um some king size tops but I've, I've sent them to be long armed um, and that's only because I made them for people so I didn't want to be responsible for quilting it <laughs>
1: right, right now that's what I'm, I am machine quilting a baby quilt right, right now and I just feel like I'm flying it's like, oh, yeah is...
0: those are the most fun because they're, <laughs> they're small just... enough
1: and... and bang and mm-hmm. they're not dragging down like with the the crown of thorns I'm like I have like 20 pounds of quilt over my shoulder <laughs> I mm-hmm. felt like I was Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah. Was, was...
0: and even putting binding on let's say like because this these king couple of king, king size quilts I made I did the binding after it came back from the long armor that's still a ton of fabric to run through your machine to attach the front of the binding
1: yeah. I did the hand sewn on the back but but even I... with the weight of that quilt even to attach the binding which is a pretty simple thing to do by machine but you're finding you know that, that you just have to control it so mm-hmm. much so that your, your binding is actually on and firmly attached. It was, right. uh, that's, awesome. um, I'm not doing that again. <laughs> <I'm done. laughs> oh man.
0: Well, uh, and then, um, you have a quilt accepted into QuiltCon this year. It's, is it called, it's called sit-in, right? I'm just doing this by memory of what it was called. Yeah. Sit-in.
1: It's the chairs. It's the chairs. It's I, cute. I always- the chair quilt and, um, but, uh, but I was looking for a better name and my, my friend Jen came on, up with sit in, which I really like because it's rows of applique chairs. They're all solids. They're different colors the, the, Uh, I made a template based on a sketching of a chair by an artist I like a lot named Beverly Buchanan. It's a rustic wooden chair shape. And so and and I did them, you know, they're facing different directions and they're different settings. Um, And I really love the name sit in for it, although it gives it more of a political edge. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> was actually intended but um but I but it was such a clever name and of course I had to use it but yeah so that like will, will be in Nashville and I'm excited <laughs> to see it and I stayed very sane I just mailed it I guess a couple of weeks ago and I you know I didn't do anything to it other than I ironed it and you know, folded it very neatly and put it in a plastic bag and put it in a box. But I had some quilts a couple of years ago where like one, I ended up like totally requilting it where um, so I sent it. And I, I I made a promise to myself and made the mistake of telling my friend this promise because she held me to it. I said, if I, if I get anything in QuiltCon this year, it goes as it is. And then when I told my friend Kristen, I'm like, I think I'm going to requilt some of it. And she's like, no, you made a promise. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> okay. That was very sane. I felt very sane as I put it in the box. Like here it is, world. <laughs>
0: oh, good, good. Yeah, I remember listening to your podcast as you were making it. So I, that's that's what I like about your your journal because you just kind of go over the progress and you know all the challenges you may have had and yeah. you know when you finally finish it and so that's that's really cool. And I mean, do you do you often enter quilts into shows or?
1: don't i have i i have entered quilts into quilt con for the last three years last year i entered sit in and it did not get in and i entered another quilt also so i was at did not get anything in last year and this year i entered two quilts and one of which was sit in and sit in got in um and i always remind myself that it's like every year it's like it's about the judges and it's about the show they're curating Mm -hmm. because you do Mm -hmm. if you follow instagram with all the the uh, quilt con rejects and you see amazing quilts that don't get in the show mm-hmm. um, but the thing yeah but I, uh, that's that's my favorite show and I'm not I don't know that I'm truly a, a show quilter part of the reason that I enter QuiltCon con is you know I am in the modern quilt guild um, I'm in a, a very active in my local guild and it, so it just feels like you know like yeah, I want to be a part of this. It matters to me. It's again, I love the show, and I think that it gets better every year, and the quilts get better every year. Um, but I, I also feel with Modern Quilt Guild, there may be a little more latitude for imperfectionists such as myself, where I feel like you know, like Paducah or something. I
0: just, yeah, I, I agree because yeah. if I were to. Enter a quilt. I, I Sometimes I think about it, but it's just, um, I, I've never done it before. So, and I, I've heard, you know, what those, you know, more established shows require. Yeah. And yeah. I'm just like, I don't know. I, I mean, I don't,
1: I... <laughs> It's but there's something again. I I think that with with quilt con, there's more and more attention to that kind of detail. But there's I I think it's weighed out or balanced out too with a you know a real interest in innovative, you know, quilting and piecing and design, Mm -hmm. so that your quilt doesn't have. You know, there are quilts that are very close to perfect. So I don't want to suggest that it's you know it's a show that someone's. Putting on in their garage—it's a very high-quality show. But I think there are a lot of things taken into consideration. Whereas, uh, my sense—and I suppose I could be wrong—is that with shows like you know, with the bigger uh, traditional shows, that you can't even get in the gate Mm -hmm. if if the if you're you know, teased and aren't crossed or whatever you know the, the you know and I and I suspect if I sent a picture into like Paducah they would just I would be laughed off off, off. <laughs> whatever they had the screen or the computer they would just but be able to they would go no we don't think so so I, I don't even know if that's much true but right. I don't have the confidence in, in my finer in the finer skills of quilting
0: yeah Cause that one, I do know they really look for perfection and I, I kind of get that cause if it's a competition or whatever, but mm. I, I do think that Quilcon would be a good place to start or even like, um, that one show that's the outdoor uh, out in the Pacific, oh, yeah, Pacific. Northwest. Sisters. Yeah. Yeah. That that looks pretty cool too.
1: This, and it would be an excuse to go to Oregon, working. right? Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that, does, that has a different vibe to it, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It does. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So, kind of a little bit more relaxed and not so much. Because just my personality type, I'm just, yeah. you know, I research things and I, you know, have been trained, just even in my education, with, um, I took piano lessons for 12 years and um, interior design, and it's all about perfection and, you know, like yeah. that's what you do. <laughs> yeah. So I've, I've had to relax my, my own self over the years and sewing, yeah. sewing and quilting has actually taught me to like, not try, like it does, because things don't get finished. I, when I was really like trying to be a perfectionist, I wasn't mm-hmm. having fun and yes. I was struggling and just, you know, like trying too hard to get it perfect. Once I started to, like, you know, I, and that, I think, too, came around from podcast shows, listening to people talk about what they're making and how they're making it. And I'm like, what am I doing to myself? Right.
1: Well, that's what and I so often think, especially, you know, get, getting a little away from the, the official judging of quilts, but when it's just regular, we're, we're much harder on ourselves than anyone else. No, you know, people... You know, even at my quilt guild, when we do show and tell, no one's looking for that that place where your needle jumped while you mm-hmm. are doing your machine quilting or or checking on your seams. That they're, they're taking pleasure in the in the quilt and the colors and the design. No, it, you're the only one who, who know you know notices these little things. And what's interesting is that if you you know, you're working on a quilt, and it's it's so in your face, and you sew, you just sew everything that's wrong. You see it, and if, but if you put it away for a little while, and you come back to it, a lot of times, it's like, oh, what was that? What was bothering me about this? Mm-hmm. Um, and it is when we're making our quilts, we are really close physically <laughs> to them, um, and we can be really hard on ourselves with And, and without, you know, without stepping back and seeing literally the big picture of the quilt we've created. It's true. Yes. It really yeah.
0: is true, and you know just one time that i really noticed it was when i i made a baby quilt for one of my sisters and that was the first time that i really took the leap of like this free motion
1: uh-huh. and
0: i just kind of like did my own little like did loop-de-loops and then i made these little hearts because it was a baby girl
1: yeah. and
0: just kind of like meandered it all over and of course there's mistakes and whatever but um, it was my sister, so I knew she would be kind of forgiving about it. Her reaction was, mm-hmm. "This is the most amazing thing I have ever seen," and I was just like, "Really? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm getting ready to explain all my little like, oh, sorry about that." No, right. then I like was like, "Oh, I'm not, I'm not going to show you any of the errors.
1: <laughs> just step away from the quilt." Yeah, it is mm-hmm. love, yeah, yeah, no, totally, and you know, yeah, that's. When you're when you're giving quilts to the muggles, it's even better because they yeah. have no idea right. <laughs> what they're supposed to be looking for. They just they're like a quilt. I didn't even mm-hmm. know people made quilts. It's right. good. yeah, yeah. And, but they really appreciate you know and um, what you've done for them. You know, right.
0: And I think that's why we as quilters stay with it because of that part and mm-hmm. you know just the the joy that it brings and then I don't know I just keep learning I love to learn and I I love the community like you said yeah. that comes goes along with it it's 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 really just um, I mean it's it grows and I just learn from everyone so I just love that
1: yeah. Well, yeah. it's exciting because you can start at a pretty basic level and make a quilt that's pleasing, and that works, right? It keeps the body warm. But there's always something new to learn, and sometimes, like with paper piecing, sometimes we're resistant to that. But when you take on the new skill, I mean, especially as adults, who are, we are done with our formal education, um, and, and in some ways in, have gotten in our adult ruts. And so to have the saying where... Um, where we're continually learning and everything we learn makes our quilts better and makes it's it's really fun like doing this handpiece quilt along that I'm doing it's just like oh this is so great it reminds me of like when I first you know when you first learn something and you just want to do it all the time mm-hmm. and 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 you I know I will look back at this early hand piecing and go wow that was not good <laughs> <laughs> but right now, you know, because I'm better. But I love that idea that you. I, I don't think we will ever, as cultures, run out of things to learn and to get better at and new skills and new techniques. And that's, I, I, you know, I think as humans, we're we're built for that. I think we're built to make things mm. and joy from the making, but to but to continually learn and explore and discover. And so it's it's all there with culting. It's all there. I know. And then plus the fabrics.
0: Let's let's yes. get into that. so what uh fabrics you know some people uh, you know love solids and or just prints but I like them both but let's hear from you like what your preference is
1: I work a lot with solids um and and some of that is the the modern me um some of that is the me that um gets overwhelmed (laughs) You know, and, and, and forgets to play, and uh, I think that prints ask more of you as a designer, um, but at the same time, for the again, going back to my handpiece quilt along, I went and bought fabrics the other day. I'm really excited. We have a new fabric store near us. Um, here in Durham which is just very cool and, and I thought I'm just gonna go pick out a, a couple half yards and I'm gonna do prints and it was so much fun and it, but because it was just two prints that needed to work together um, it wasn't it, it was a, uh, it wasn't overwhelming um, like oh my goodness I have to pull these eight or nine fabrics to, to, to work mm-hmm. um, and it was really exciting and I'll tell you I am not someone who knows designers I mean obviously if I see K facet, I know it. If I see tulip pink, I know it. Otherwise I'm kind of like, Oh, that's really cute. (laughs) And that's, that's about it for what I have to say, um, about the designer. There's certain, uh, sometimes online I'll realize I keep looking at fabrics and like, Oh, I like that. I like that. I like that. And it's the same designer. Um, but I don't have a lot of I don't have the the, the brain cells left <laughs> to really invest in being able to distinguish designers, but I, I think because I have worked for the last five years so much in solids that I'm I'm kind of ready to to do more with with prints again. I did when I was first quilting and um, using patterns all the time, and had a great. Uh, fabric store in Chapel Hill, Thimble Pleasures, where they would help me pick things. I think my early quilts there are a lot more prints, but you know, I went pretty quickly into boutiques mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. boutiques are easier to kind of mix and match. You know, yeah, you're they're really- like blenders, almost, right? They're yeah. Blenders, yeah. yes, I think. And so you're really, you, your your number one focus is is color with prints. You really, it's it's not just the color; it's also scale, mm-hmm. uh, and so that can be again. I, I'm someone who um For whatever reason, I just can't take in too much information at once. I'm a slow learner, so um so, but I'm kind of excited now about the idea of like, yeah, I think I'm gonna play more with prints i just i and I just feel like there's more and more good stuff out there. It's beautiful, yeah, it is,
0: yeah, and i just I gravitate to all the artistic um like watercolory type of fabric prints and mm-hmm. and stuff like that too. So, um, I just like it all. I mean, I love fabrics totally, <laughs> just even coming from from my interior design background, but oh yeah, that is so different though than quilting. well, yeah, because of the scale um, right of the of the fabric, and you know, for draperies and sofas, you need a little bit of a bigger scale right. of, well, of pattern and stuff. Cool. So I had to learn that when I very first started quilting because I would get these like large, you know printed. And, and then you cut them up and you just totally lose that perspective.
1: Right. <laughs> right. That, that's a uh, that's a learning curve. And mm-hmm. I feel like in some ways I'm back on that road and back at that curve where you realize, yeah, you can look at this big bolt of fabric and you have to remember, it's like, yes, but you're cutting it into two and a half mm-hmm. inches. And that yeah. makes it, that makes it a different thing. Um, but, yeah, and I would think, too, with um, interior design and decorating that, that texture plays a role. Yes. That- not and quilting although maybe we try to cr- i don't know. No, nah, I'm not even going to go there. But yes.
0: <laughs> For me it does. Um because that's why um I haven't done very many solid on unsol- like totally solid quilts because to me it's very flat, but mm-hmm. some of these quilters have have developed a way to create that texture with their patterns yeah. and um and- really yeah. yeah so, and I'm starting to to challenge myself more and more with the solids, but I also love getting those textured solids that are out there and, and, and some people call them low volumes too, but like mm-hmm. even, um, I love the linen cotton blend fabrics, like from uh, Robert Kaufman, those, that Essex linen is a yeah. go-to for me. When yeah. I like mix solids into a quilt, I'll do some flat cotton solids, but I always want to put in like that little linen texture in there. well it's it's something
1: you know and particularly you know i've got that great uh roderick karakoff book called i think it's called under the radar it's quilts like between 1940 and 2000 but it's a lot of these uh, they're they're quilts that he has collected over the years and they're you know um not necessarily uh traditional in terms of their fabrics and yeah so they will have they're made out of sheets and old curtains and linens and so and and in that way these really interesting textures are created and of course you see uh, uh quilts and, and the g-spin quilts are you know where you see the the denims yes and the, and
0: the corduroys i love that
1: talk more about
0: yeah texture is a
1: thing isn't it yeah I'll still learn something <laughs> <laughs> it but you know it, and um Yes. And, but I do think in modern quilting, yes, with the, with the solids where that texture is created is in the quilting. Which, right. And and I really, and I know a lot of, there, a lot of traditional quilters are like, it's over quilted, but it's like, yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I, but I love that, what that adds mm-hmm. um, to the overall feel and look of the quilt. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's pretty cool. It's fascinating to me. I love it. Um, so, all right, we got through fabrics and um, there's, for binding, do you do you do mostly machine binding or do you do the the hand, hand
1: I, binding? I, I do hand. I mean, I attach the front with the machine and then hand bind, you know, flip yeah. it over. Hand binding, if that's what you mean. Yeah, always. Yeah. I, no, I'm not going to say that. My early quilts, when I was just making it up as I was going along, I had no idea how to do binding. And you know how blankets have like the thick satin? Yes. That's I thought. Well, that's how it's, it should be. Be like an inch or two, right? <laughs> and and I also just machine quilted on at the same. You just kind of fold it over and go, and then I was. Done. <laughs> I learned. I took my class. Learned many things, and one that had binding all the way along. But that was a thing I remember um, doing a quilt, and this was before I took classes, um, and it was an Amy Butler pattern that I actually didn't know was a quilt because she called it a throw. Um, and it wasn't till later when a friend said, Oh, that's a nice quilt you're making. And I said, No, it's a throw. And she said, No, it's a quilt. But she actually was someone who had done sewing. I don't know if she'd done quilting, but I was standing there and I could not, like, reading the directions about the binding and how to attach it. And I could not for the life of me figure it out. And she came up, she's like, This is what you do. And then you flip it over. She was able to look at the instructions and get it like that. Whereas I, uh, you know, it just wasn't an automatic translation from here I'm reading yeah. stuff, you know
0: and I have and- to see it too because um, I have a couple of books like one of um, Nancy um, oh, what's her name you know Nancy
1: <laughs> Nancy. Nancy, uh, Demon, Nancy, Crow, Nancy Nancy
0: <laughs> the, Nancy who had the tv show for 30 years um, oh my gosh I can't believe I can't remember her name but anyway I have her Nancy. books and there's these, you know, um, not even they're not photographs. They're just like those sketch, schematic drawings. And when you go do the corners of the bindings and you fold that up at that 45, that is very hard to illustrate in a book yes. yeah. and to see and comprehend. So um, it wasn't until I actually saw someone doing it in That's, person or on, not, you know, a video that yes. that I could really like get that. And I think sometimes it's like that. I have, um,
1: uh, it's a, I guess it's not crafts anymore, I guess it's blueprint, but a class on bindings and finishings. And the teacher's name is Mimi something, and she's fabulous. And she, and I, from her, I learned how to do a really good, how to close up the binding in a really neat way. But I still have to watch her. And I will take my computer and kind of put it here. And so that we are, Mimi and I are standing next to each other. Because I have to be, I, if she's across from me, I will flip. I won't do it right. But, right. but I still have to watch it. But as long as I'm watching, then I can imitate. Yeah. But yeah, but looking at pictures, again, I get that brain scramble. Um, yeah. I don't know. I'm smart in other ways. I really am. <laughs>
0: <laughs> You're not the only one. <laughs> yeah, thank goodness. <laughs> and I, you know, I hear so many, like more of the, the modern quilters coming up um, love to machine bind their quilt. And I, I will do it on baby quilts for sure because, you yeah. know, they don't care and it's fine. Yeah. But I, I just haven't perfected it enough for the bigger quilts that I like the way that my machine binding looks. I still have to work on it. So yeah. I still just do like the hand Cause it's not, it's, it's, it's not that to me, it's not that bad. It's, it's, it's kind of like a relaxing thing to do I it
1: mm-hmm. as well. I enjoy that when you cause you you're right. It's the last thing you do and you just kind of sit down in front of the TV mm-hmm. or listen to music or a podcast and, um, and you do it and it just is, is I find it very relaxing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so yeah, I agree. I, I have, I have not tried to machine bind anything since my early days. <laughs> I had no idea what I was doing
0: yeah i don't know what it is it's just and i see them do it and they're just like okay just stitch in the ditch here and the front is fine uh or, or they put it the back on first and then roll it over to the front so that what you see on the front is very presentable but when you go to the back there's just that little flap of fabric still that's yeah. under the yeah. stitching that i just yeah yeah that's fine <laughs> nice to me too <laughs> no 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 so so you're going to QuiltCon this year then? I am. I'm really excited. It's not too far
1: from you, Tennessee, right? Yeah. It's not that far. It's going to be about an eight-hour drive. I'm going with my friends uh, from the Quilt Alliance. And we'll actually – I'm on the board of the Quilt Alliance, oh, Yeah. which is a nonprofit that works to document quilts and quilt stories, which, you know, I'm all about the quilt stories. Yeah. And so we are all driving together, and I'm already trying to plan for how tired I will because I'm a total introvert. Like after too. we're done talking, I will have to go rest and have some tea. Because <laughs> <laughs> about as social as I get on a you know, uh, Tuesday afternoon. But reach into uh, the choir. <laughs> so when I think about Quilcon, I mean, it'll be so fun, but I have to plan ahead. To like, I have to take breaks. But when you're there, it's like you want to talk to everybody and, you'll, you know, meet up with friends who you only know, um, you know, through uh, online communities and, and, and all of that. And so it's so exciting. And yet I, I just will be totally zapped by it. So
0: I haven't been yet. I want to go to a Quilcon, but I, 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 I want, I, I made a decision to go to this other retreat in September because it was Sarah Lawson's. Uh, she wasn't going to have any more of them um, oh. in the near future. So yeah. and she's local and the, and the retreat was local to me. So I had to go, <laughs> it was for bag making. Yeah. So yeah, I gave up for this year, but I, I will need to go to Quilcon sometime. I just, it's... I just want to experience it. Yeah,
1: I think it's a great show and it, in some ways it's really like an art show. And that's, um, so to, that, that's one of the great things. Um, yeah, you know, it's just the quilts. The people are great, the excitement and energy. But really, taking in the quilts and and I like thinking about quilts and what's going on in quilt making right now. So,
0: mm-hmm.
1: as far as far as, show, as shows go, it's it's been my favorite. Yeah, I I, I, I it's funny because
0: QuiltCon also gives you um, people who don't um, go or can't go. They still feel like they have some sort of an experience with it just from all the Instagram stories and people, you know, talking about it. So I do get even a lot out of not even attending, but I I must go. But they need to come up to Chicago. There's a convention center in Rosemont and they haven't been to the Midwest yet. So
1: are are you in Chicago?
0: I am. Yes. So are you really cold today then? It is freezing uh we the for the next three days we are going to have wind chill temperatures of minus 30 to minus 50.
1: so tomorrow
0: brother. and thursday are going to be the worst and um, even my husband's uh company is closing down so, so that, it's yeah. pretty serious when all yeah. the schools definitely will close down but when businesses start closing down right. you know it's pretty bad
1: i was texting with my sister-in-law there and, i mean the and i couldn't believe she was going to work today i said so here in north carolina you know, we close school and everything. The roads, it's all closed before the first snowflake hits the ground. Oh, yeah. oh my gosh! So we would be, the whole state would be—you know—we would down. have to shut down for
0: three months then. <laughs> yeah,
1: no. I mean, and I, I am mocked mercilessly by my brother for, for how wimpy I am. I said one day it was forty, and I said, "Oh, I'm cold." And he said, "Are you really cold? Is that cold to you?" I'm like, "Yeah, <laughs> it really is." So anyway, but yes, there is a great convention center in on the south. I've gone to a lot of library convention stuff. um, The McCormick? Yeah, the McCormick. Yeah, that's huge. That is huge. So Mm -hmm. there is space um, for for QuiltCon in Chicago, and I think Mm -hmm. do it.
0: Yeah. So I think they should, too. Okay, if you're listening, QuiltCon, come up here. Just don't come up here in January. That's
1: all. That's (laughs) right. Yes, that is. Yeah, February in Chicago. But that would make the prices cheaper. Well, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. February or March. And they did,
0: they did send a survey out um, asking like if, if better times of the year, like even April or, you know, March. So who knows? Maybe they'll even push that back from February. We'll see. Just wanted to, this is the last thing, topic, but um, I, I I just, uh, it's funny because I just, I first, I feel like I know you because of your podcast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so then I kind of like just asked you. Then when I started to prepare for this this recording, I went to your website and I had not been to that yet. And I immediately got choked up and like <gasps> panic because you <laughs> you are a award-winning author i mean like i had no idea that you wrote all of these children's books win awards y- young adult teen uh that that dovey co won uh-huh. that edgar it did uh alan poe award or is it edgar poe awards it it's just the edgar. i looked it up yeah. the edgar awards i know and i was like oh my
1: goodness <laughs> Which is weird, because I didn't write it as a mystery. I don't even read mysteries. And so when my editor, this was my first book. It came about in 2000. And so when my editor called and said, it's been nominated for an Edgar. And I said, why? And she said, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> but there is a murder in it. Yeah, I had to talk to my lawyer, older brother. I'm like, I don't know why. And he's like, well, at the beginning, someone gets murdered, and at the end, they figure out who did it. I'm like, oh, oh yeah. yeah. That so, would qualify as a, as a mystery. So, I, but I was shocked that it actually won. I'm like, oh, I fooled them. That's cool. But yeah, so that was that. It's such a great award to have won, but I don't feel like I really earned it.
0: <laughs> oh, I
1: don't know. I,
0: I think so. Like it, I mean, Intention in my pr-
1: writing pr- of pr- the mystery.
0: Pretty prolific um, author, and just the uh, your website is beautiful and uh, so easy to navigate. But I love that you do this. There's a tab on there for creative writing for kids hmm. That's pretty fantastic, and I'm
1: um, about to. I don't know when this book is coming out, but I actually have just. I'm working on a creative writing book for kids. I teach. Um, I love teaching children to write, um, and ha- have an ongoing creative writing workshop with a small group of girls who we've been together now for almost four years. Um, but yeah, that's I, so. I, I love. I love teaching, but as an introvert, I have found that I just can't do it. I, I have an, a minor in education, but, like, being in a school all week would uh, – I, I just – I couldn't. I'm, I'm much better yeah, suited. Yeah, I would to...
0: deplete you completely.
1: <laughs> it, it would, and I'm better suited to writing and then doing – the you know, the teaching on the side a little bit. But, yeah, so that's that's a really fun thing to do and to write about. And, and kids are so courageous and uh, enthusiastic, the ones who really want to write, not all <laughs> –
0: I've met well, a few. Yeah. And I mean, I, I wish I had this resource when I was a kid because I was out. It's weird because I've always I've even told my husband, I'm like, oh, I just wish I could just write a book. <laughs> <laughs> How do they do that? How do these novelists just sit down and, you know, I know there's like a technique to it. Like you have to have a what protagonist and a antagonist i don't know. i don't even know what i'm talking about so that's yeah. just not even <laughs>
1: right, right no you just have, to have a, a story but it's like you know it's it's like anything creative it's a process and there's a lot of messing up and you have to be willing to write a really bad first draft you know and i think quilt design is like that too mm-hmm. I mean, you know um because i really love that part I, I love making up my own designs but i also understand that the for, you know, often as I'm trying to translate what I have in my head, the images in my head to my design wall uh, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of disconnect there And but I've done it long enough and I've written long enough to know yes you can start off with something that's not at all what you thought it would be and you can make it much much better but I think that's what separates a lot of people who want to write or quilt or what have you is that they think that they should start out the gate and what they make should look great or re- or be a great story it's like it doesn't really work like that mm. you know it's it you have to th- there's always a learning curve mm-hmm. there's always um, a lot of practice involved in getting good at anything and yeah. writing's the same same way and I've written a lot of really bad really, <laughs> really bad fiction <laughs> and I wrote a lot of bad fiction before I started writing okay fiction you know yeah but it's I mean
0: and it, it just um it's refreshing to see because I think that um, something like that, a resource for kids, is great for today. Because even for adults, the, the challenges of reading today amidst, you know, in our environment with technology, mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. Um, social media, yeah. um, just I, when I was growing up, I mean, it didn't have we didn't have the Internet or social media. I mean, we we really played. We really re- I read A ton. I mean, I read all the Ramona and Beeses, The Little Women, Charlotte's. Well, I mean, I was so I kind of like, you know, and you've kind of inspired that with me. It was just get get myself back to reading more and, you know, watching. I mean, I
1: watch a lot of TV, so (laughs) it's a challenge to myself. (laughs) I, I feel the same way. And I was just thinking about it today um, it's so easy to get distracted. And at this point, I, when I read, I have to like have all my devices in another room. Cause you'll come across something and go, Oh, I need to look that up. So true, or, so Oh, true. that makes me think, you know? And so, and, and particularly reading fiction, that distraction is your enemy because you get pushed out of the story. But I also think that human beings just in general need storytelling. And the fact is there's a lot of good TV there are that you know there just is it's not I, so I'm 54 so I grew up in like with some really crap TV <laughs> I mean but some good no mostly it's just really bad but you know when you mm-hmm. think of I, I mean a show one of my favorite shows is The Wire and it's operatic and novelistic and there are a lot of you know shows that show. like that. Mm-hmm. yeah that just and have fully developed characters and really interesting plot lines. And, and so, so I don't think that should be discounted. Right. But, but at the same time, I do miss reading the way that like when, when you're a kid and you really love too.
0: that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Just because when you're reading, it really fosters creativity. I feel because you have to, you're, 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 you, the way you read and you're, you're, the imagination that you have to have to paint this Mm -hmm. picture in your mind while you're reading the story and it's not going to be the same as someone else who's reading the same story you're for me like I am painting this visual picture in my head when I read um, a novel or a story that you know what I think is going on (laughs) maybe what the characters look like and how they're dressed
1: and you know all of that uh, and there's some. It's interesting because we, but we share a love of Little Women, mm-hmm. and I will watch any Little Woman women production that comes down the pike. Like the new one, I don't know if you saw the one that was recently on PBS. I haven't uh, seen it yet. And it's not. It's on. It may be on Amazon Prime now. It's amazing. Is I think it's the best one. Oh, I need it. to look for that. Yeah. And that's. A, and I'm happy to experience the different, very, You know, ways of presenting the character. And the different takes on the story but other stories like I will never watch the movie mm-hmm. because the movies can so quickly replace what you've imagined mm-hmm. and you lose what you've imagined whereas little women just stands up to all of it little women does you know takes mm-hmm. no prisoners you there's nothing <laughs> that they can do to your your little woman it's but others you know it's like Harriet the Spy was a book I love I would never watch that movie bridge mm-hmm. never will I ever watch that movie and it may be a great movie but it can't I don't want it to you know, colonize my imagination. Right, right. These, they're so visually powerful. But that is the great true. thing about reading is you're creating this world. Right, there. right. And that's what, it's It's so fun to talk to um, younger readers, although at this point, Harry Potter's, you know, pretty old. It's like 20 years old. Yeah. But like these girls in my writing group who grew up with Harry Potter and, and who they're in high school and they still like every summer will reread the whole series. And how much they lived inside of that book and that story and took that story with them. I can, you know, mm-hmm. on the school bus and, you know, and walked around pretending they were magic, <laughs> <laughs> just waiting for their invitation to Hogwarts, but that whole world yeah. that Jake yeah. and created. And then as readers, we fully inhabit and make our own is it's, it's very cool. And, that and I don't so think cool. movies yeah. do that as much. Maybe not. Right. Right. I know, because even, like, for
0: my husband, he's he's definitely a voracious reader, even today. I mean, he reads books on his phone. I'm like, how can you read that? It's so <laughs> yeah. tiny. But he reads these books. He loves these certain authors. and um, yeah. But, like, you know, when he was good, he loved The Hobbit and, yeah. you know, all of those. And those are definitely very imaginative. It's just amazing to think of where the author came
1: up with all of this, you know. Uh, and especially, because he, I mean, he came up with languages. Yes. Yeah the elven and all that you're just like just in a map and a a whole yeah i mean he created this yeah worlds within worlds that that's it's amazing to me what what he did well
0: francis thank you so much i mean i could just talk to you forever i say this to everybody this is why i love doing the podcast yeah (laughs) it just gives me an opportunity to really just you know have these wonderful conversations uh with people that are you know you're North Carolina, and I spoke to someone in the Netherlands. So this is fantastic.
1: This is, yeah. yeah, this
0: has been so much fun, Stephanie. Thank you so much for, for inviting me. I really
1: appreciate it. Oh,
0: thank you for coming. I really love it. And what what, what when is your um, follow up book coming out? Is it coming out this year? This uh, stars upon stars is it?
1: it the plan is it. For it to be out June 1st. Okay, okay, good. I yeah, pushed that pub date back and back and back. But that's real this time I'm sticking to it. It's but it's gonna... this
0: year. Okay, so year. mid-year. That's great. And then I'm going to um, put um, in my show notes uh, links to... Your website's both – you have a quiltfiction.com website nice. um, and your, your main website and your podcast so that people can find everything. I mean, I'm sure – but, I mean, everybody – this is – it's so funny because you can't you, – as a podcaster, you have to pull back and think not – you think everybody knows everybody by now, but there's some people that don't. So, yeah,
1: yeah. So it's a, we, the, the world we live in, in our cult world. It's a pretty big world with a lot of different spheres. So there's then. And so, yeah, I know There's a modern culture. There are people who are like huge to me. And I have a friend who's not into modern culting and they're like, never heard of her. And you're like, uh-huh. how is that possible? <laughs> <laughs> what is wrong?
0: I know. <laughs> yeah. So now that information will be there on the show notes. And, uh, yeah, so thank you so much. And I look forward to uh, talking to you again sometime soon in the future.
1: Okay, great. All right. Thanks.
0: Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. All right. So that was an awesome conversation I had with Frances O'Rourke Dowell. And check her out, her podcast, The Off-Kilter Quilt. Uh, I listen to it on iTunes. I'm sure it's available on um, most platforms available. Uh, The same is for my podcast. It's available um, on iTunes, um, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify. And also, I always embed it every week into my show notes. So you can listen to it directly from my website. Enjoy a wonderful weekend. And for those of you lucky enough to go to QuiltCon oh i I just have the time of your life oh I am so jelly but that's okay I will make it to a quilcon um I will I'm hopefully next year in Austin we'll see but I've got to go <laughs> okay take care and I will talk to you next time bye Thanks for listening to the Make and Decorate podcast. You can find me at stephaniesochadesign.com. Check out the podcast blog with the show notes. Uh, My uh, donation button is there for a one-time donation to support the podcast. Or you can also support the podcast with my Amazon affiliate. And that button is just below the donation button. Talk to you next time. Bye.